everybody. Good to see you and be with you again. Um, what I'm going to do now, I'm going to basically take a section from the Zohar and from Rabbi Isaac Luria that discuss the whole aspect of what we call um, uh, Rosh Hashanah, you know, the beginning of the year or the Hebrew year, and to well understand it. Again, of course, uh, it's um, a common question, why do we call it Rosh Hashanah? Rosh means head, Shana means the ear. So uh, basically, if you count the calendar, there's two ways to deal with the Hebrew calendar. One is when you count it from Nisan, which is the month of Passover, and one when you count it from uh, Tishrei. There is an argument if the, if the world was created on Nisan or Tishrei, but the common uh, months, according to the Bible, that the seventh month is the month of uh, Tishrei which is the month of Libra, which is the month of Rosh Hashanah. So the idea when they call it Rosh Hashanah, you know, people bless each other, Happy New Year. In a way, it is New Year because if you count the months from Libra, from Tishrei, it's a New Year. But if you count it from Nisan, it's a seven months, which is called Rosh Hashanah. So the word Rosh means head, Hashanah means ear, not necessarily always mean the beginning. But it's definitely mean the head. We're dealing with the head. Now, what does that mean? Before I'm going into explanation from the Zohar and the Ari to more details, and hopefully I will give more and more lecture about this subject, is to have a full understanding that basically what we're getting from uh, the Hebrew New Year is ability to recreate ourselves. Because that happened to, the, to be the day that Adam and Eve were created on. So the celebration is the celebration of creation, creation of humanity. And for that reason, you know, on that day, on this specific day, Rosh Hashanah, for 48 hours, human going to be, um, I, I want to say judged, because that's really what's happening. Nidonim, in Hebrew it's called Nidonim, from the word Din, judgment. So people will be judged for how long they're going to live, how well they're going to do with the children, how much money they're going to have, and other major area. But this is the three major things that been decided on this um, powerful day. So it's up to the individual to know what can we do to make this coming 12 months better. There is something we got to do. There is something we got to prepare. There is something that uh, uh, we need to think about because without uh, doing the work, there is no surprises. I mean, it's not going to be just okay. People expect things to be just okay, which is wonderful to be to think positive. I love people who say, I would like to think positive. Uh, well, you can think positive, and but if you jump from a building while you're thinking positive, you will just die thinking positive. So, thinking positive has to have, be an additional. It's almost like a spice that you add to the food. It's an additional uh, to the work that you're supposed to be doing. All right, so let's get going. I'm gonna get into the books now. Just um, um, introduction, first from Dari to explain about uh, this awesome and important day. So the basic first, 
In Enoda, we need to remind ourselves and we need to know. כי ביום ראש השנה נברא האדם הראשון. האדם, the famous Adam and Eve, was created at ראש השנה. Was created on that day. So was Adam was attached to any religion? The answer is no. He wasn't. So we shouldn't feel like, okay, if I'm Christian, I don't have to do Rosh Hashanah. Every person has to do it. Why? Because we're human. It's called the holidays of human. It's not the holiday of religion. The Yom Rosh Hashanah של בריאת העולם היה ביום ו' כנודע. ולאם אדם הראשון היה נמנע מן הזיווג ביום ההוא, וגם מן החטא, היה ממתין ללילת שבת, כל העולמות כתקנם. דארי וונד תיצ'ר סמתי. The accomplish of the physical world as we know it happened on the sixth day of creation. If you go to Genesis, it's very simple. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth, and then in the sixth day, God accomplished his mission. Again, when I say God accomplishes mission, I'm just using words that the common words everybody else is using, but it's not exactly like that. But I just want to make sure that I'm uh, 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 related to the people who are um, listening. So as God created uh, that idea of creating the physical universe, The human was created on the last day of creation, which is Friday, or the sixth day, if you want. It says that if Adam was not making love to his wife, and he was, would be waiting till the seventh day, which is called the, the Sabbath or Shabbat, then all the universes would be in order. What does that mean? It means that there is a perfect order to this physical universe together with another uh, four universes, or five if you wish, four would be more correct. I mean, I can give the name, the first universe is, is called Adam Kadmon, which is related to Keter, moral man, and then Atzilut, emanation. Then creation, Bria, then formation, Yetzira, and then Asiya, the world of action where we live. That's where we are. So that order of the universes or the worlds that we are seeing had to be in perfect order for us to benefit. But whatever we do below, affecting the above, And once it's affected above, they're above affecting us. It says that Adam couldn't wait for that connection with that intercourse. And that's why things went out of order. And Dari explained when they did mistake with the snake, And the snake become part of the family, inject negative energy into Eve. And that's why Cain and Abel came. And that's why Cain killed Abel because Cain is part of the snake in him. 
because it was good and bad was mixed. Before that, good and bad was not mixed. Everything was perfectly uh, uh, good or bad, but it was not mixed. The bad was bad and the good was good. So when he sinned and he eat from the tree of knowledge, he ate from the tree that God told him, please don't eat. And that's what caused him to be with his wife earlier, instead of waiting. Why did he have to wait? And what does that mean, the tree of knowledge? And what does that mean, that intercourse? We need to explain it. It's a very important understanding. And the Kabbalists explained to us that one of the things about waiting, you know, we are in a universe, in a, in a time that we don't like to wait for the thing. We want the result to be uh, right away. And because people are waiting for everything to be right away, they're not getting the full manifestation of what the Creator prepared for them. When you grab the fruit a little bit earlier, the taste of the fruit will be bitter. And we don't want to do that. When Adam ate from the fruit that God asked him not to eat, tree of knowledge, again, what is a tree of knowledge? Why can I eat from the tree of knowledge? Tree of knowledge basically is a concept. It's something that cannot be corrected yet. It needed to wait until the time will be that we can correct it. What does that mean? We need to understand that it's very deep. If there is four different cups, just imagine, four, four different sizes of a cup. Each cup has different size. And one of that four is specifically, particularly so small. This cup is so small that you cannot even see it. If you take those four cups and put them in the ocean, they are fulfilled with water. You wouldn't know the difference between the big cup and that last little cup, which is very small. When you dry the ocean, now you definitely will be aware that there is a difference between the big or the largest cup to the smallest one. What happened? What the change that took a place? The change that took a place is that before the fulfillment disappeared, it seemed like everything is perfectly equal. When Adam and he, Adam and Eve activated the tree of knowledge, good and bad. They've been activated the differences between things that was there, but was not appeared to be. And that was the scene of the snake. So when the snake tell them, if you will be connected to the tree of knowledge, you will know good from bad. That means that he brought them one level down to show them that bad exists. 
and they were not aware of those things. So when they did that, and then after this, the intercourse, that happened for the rest of the life that it will be Rosh Hashanah. So that was Rosh Hashanah. And what happened at that time after he did that? If he would be waiting, not too many hours, by the way, six hours, so it will be nighttime, like Friday night or the sixth day night, then we are moving already to Malchut. Remember, the first day of creation is Chesed, those of you who study Kabbalah, and the last day, or the last day of creation is Yesod, the, the Friday, the sixth day, but the Sabbath is Malchut, it's the manifestation, which means it's accomplished already, it's ready. If you would be waiting for that time, we wouldn't need to do the celebration of Rosh Hashanah, because Rosh Hashanah is a celebration of correcting. It's a celebration that we are supposed to, almost like going back before the sin of Adam and Eve. Try to imagine. Like we try to correct that thing. How do you correct it? It's already happened. It's already happened. Well, God is giving us something that called holidays of Rosh Hashanah. The word holiday in Hebrew is Chag. Chag is like Lachug. Like in Arabic they say Hajj. You know somebody who went to Mecca. Chag is somebody who's going in a circle. Meaning that time is going in a circle. Time is not going linear, like a line. It's going like a circle. So if it's going in a circle, every year on Rosh Hashanah you're going back to the sixth day of creation before. And then as you're walking into Rosh Hashanah, you get a chance to correct and to choose better, not to go after the snake, not to go after the intercourse, earlier intercourse, not to go after all this damage that was created, that thing that called Rosh Hashanah. So what are we doing between Rosh Hashanah till the end of Sukkot? We are basically sweating the judgment that was created from that time. I mean, today we can say 5,000, right? I'm trying to say. 5,777 years ago. What are we celebrating? The, the year from the time of creation of Adam. I mean, was that universes before? Of course, let's all talk about it. That God was created, walled and destroyed them. That's why maybe the fine dinosaur from 20 million years ago. But going back to this story, I mean, next year, will be 5,778. Which people asking me, what does that mean? I say, if last year in Hebrew it's called A, Taf, Shin, Ein, Zain, next year will be A, Taf, Shin, Ein, Chet. Ein, Chet is Etz, Chaim. So, Taf, Shin, Tiyeh, Shnat, will be the year of Tree of Life. Meaning next year on Rosh Hashanah, September 2017, when we walk into Rosh Hashanah, it's for people who choose tree of life. You gotta choose. Tree of knowledge, good and bad, snake. Tree of life, different story, but for the tree of life, you gotta walk. And that's why I'm starting teaching you about Rosh Hashanah right now, because it's not just about Rosh Hashanah, it's about transformation and change.
Now, before I'm going to a little introduction of the shofar, I want just to um, see, show a different thing that we do before Shoshana. So, the Ari write in Yana Slichot, the Slichot that people are doing, Slichot means forgiveness. People are waking up at night or they do it early in the morning. That people are doing Lel Rosh Chodesh Elul. They start usually in Rosh Chodesh Elul till Yom Kippur. Uh, it's said that the Ari used to do it. So it's quite important to do the forgiveness time between Rosh Chodesh Elul till uh, uh, Yom Kippur, which is exactly 40 days. And when you do that, this is a preparation for Rosh Hashanah for the sin of Adam. So it's say like that. The main thing that we want to think in Rosh Hashanah, when we say Melech Hafez Bechaim, the God that love life or want life, that draw the life for himself, that's how we're going to draw the life for our soul. So we're telling God in Rosh Hashanah that we want to stay alive. It's the main thing. And to understand that our soul coming from above, and without God giving life to the soul, we cannot be in here. And when we say, remember us for life, Melech Hafez V'chaim, the God or the King who loves life, it's about our soul. And then when we say Kadvenu, because we say Zachrenu, Zachrenu means remember us, but Zachrenu comes with the word Zachar. Zachar means a male. Kadvenu is more a female. So when we say Zachrenu, uh, when we say remember us, we talk about the soul. When we say write, to, write us, we talk about the body. So we need the soul to get the life that the soul needs, and we need the body to get the life that the body stay alive. And and he write here, now I'm going to move a little bit to the Zohar. I'm going to shift gear a little bit. The Zohar in Parashat Emor writes that uh, uh, something different. The Zohar approach uh, Rosh Hashanah. And the Zohar writes like this. On Rosh Hashanah we blow the Shofar. Shofar is basically a horn that's coming from Ram. And we need to blow under than one time. Now why we need to do it under than one time? Under one time is Angel, Michael, but also you have 30 of belong to right column, which is giving, chesed. We have 30 that belong to gvura, okay? Which is 30 for gvura, and then we have 30 of tiferet, which is together is 90, and then you have 10 that belong to malchut, the shortened version. Together you have 100, and then in the end you do the Kiyah Gedola, and that's 
uh, uh, the end of that kiot. So this is under one to wake up the angel Michael, who's normally speak good about us, but it's also there is a, or, orders. Why is it like that? So it say, where do we learn it from? You should blow the shofar, mean to cover of our holiday. Now, what does that mean? Cover, cover. So the Zohar go, and the Zohar said, This day of Rosh Hashanah, the Malchut is covered, or the moon is covered. We know the moon represents the, the Malchut, and the moon is similar. Okay, Malchut is the Sphira, and the moon is in the planet, that's what it represents. So what happened when Malchut get covered? The whole world is in judgment. Because the persecutor the persecutor allow at that time to cover where the blessing is coming from, and we know in Kabbalah the blessing is coming from Zeheran Pin, right? I mean, where Malchut is the receiver, Zeheran Pin is this pipe where all the energy is coming from, and now it's covered, the persecutor is covering it. Why is he covering it? Well, everything in this life is cause and effect. Remember what happened in that day. Adam and Eve did whatever they did, like we mentioned before, and that, because time is a circle, so that happened every year that there is a cover above the Levana, above the moon. So it's there. So the question that Rabbi Shimon and the Zohar ask in verse 207 by the Zohar of the Sulam, you should ask, or we should ask, or we should raise a doubt, how can that be that there is a permission for the persecutor to cover that light that's supposed to come to Malchut and require judgment? And the answer, Is it written that God, the Creator, was giving a permission to the persecutor by choosing a specific day, which is the day of Rosh Hashanah, that he will ask for all the judgment that been required for the world. God make that persecutor a force that awaken fear in people, and that fear in people would be basically elevate them to respect and maybe then to love. And that's what God created so people would be afraid. What did he do? He made that persecutor and he, that persecutor is like the sword, sharp knife, a sword on the all world, the whole universe, so people will be afraid. And that force is looking for what people are doing wrong. And he's looking for judgment. And he captured people and killed them, hitting them, make them sick, make them lose money. 
like a person who's going in front of a judge in a court, and there is payment for everything we do wrong. Now, the question is, let's, let's, let's raise some doubts here. What do you think will work better? Do you think that our universe today is better because of that? Meaning, now because people have fear, they no longer do bad things? Or you think because people have fear and people told them not to do that, they do it purposely? How do we want to look at it? I mean, there's no question that that's the best system. But we need to raise doubts so we can prove it is the best system. Not raising doubts about something you read or study, meaning that you don't really want to know why is it the best. If you run toward the product that you've been introduced to, but you run with all the doubts you have, and the person kill, kill all your doubts and clear your mind from doubts, now you have certainty about the product. Same thing here. Why is it that there is kese covering the malchut, no more blessing coming from Zerah, and that that persecutor can do whatever he wants toward us for our negative behavior? And the purpose, look what it says, is fear. Why is fear become a contributing for a better life? The Kabbalists explain to us that there is three levels of achievement in a spiritual human life. The first aspect is fear. The second level is respect, or they call it ira, or ravashta call it irata romemut, and awe. And the ultimate level is love. What happened, let's be honest for a second. You walk in the street and you see a person. The person bother you. Eh, you just push them away and you walk away. You don't have respect or love or fear from them. What if you know that that person you just met will be the one who define your financial success, your health, and your relationship? How would you treat them if you meet them in the street? Now, I'm not telling you you're going to have fear. But you're going to have fear of what you're going to do wrong if those are the people that you meet that define what type of life you're going to have. If you're not, that means you're stupid. I'm sorry to say it. But if you meet a person who defines what type of life you're going to have, and you're not like afraid to do a mistake, that's stupid. It's like I'm telling you, you have 100 minutes to go pick up uh, $1 billion in the desert. You will be excited, but at the same time afraid to do a mistake so somebody else will get there and get the money. So that type of fear we're talking about, that God created a persecutor so we will have the fear not to do the wrong thing. But it's not fear of punishment. It's not fear of that angel. It's not fear of God. It's a fear of understanding there is regulation and rules. You cannot just do whatever you want. 
You cannot put your finger into the socket and say, I'm sure the electric company will forgive me. You need to understand there is regulation in this universe. And unfortunately, there is cause and effect. Not because somebody don't like you. The opposite. Because somebody like you, they put almost like if in a video game, they put all kind of electric shock and bomb and, 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 and minefield. So you know not to go this way or that way. So God is putting a path, like a video game, to get you to the place which is the ultimate place where you can have pleasure and fun and all those amazing things. But we, we like to break the rules, but we like to break the wrong rules. So what do we do? We are going and we th we're saying, I'm not going to be afraid. You should be afraid. You should be afraid that you might be missed opportunity, but fear itself will not do it. You need to be afraid as a first step. You cannot be afraid forever. You should be afraid that you might do the wrong thing. But then go ahead and try to do the good thing. Being afraid of doing the bad thing, you know, all day long, it's laziness. That's when you don't want to work on yourself. So you got to have that fear, then develop it into, wow, I'm excited I know it. Now I'm going to walk on that path. And then you develop some respect toward the creator to understand that the fear he put in you and the fear he put on that path was only to prevent you from going into the wrong places. And that's why you're developing an awe and respect. And then, of course, once the ultimate level is to achieve to love. The Zohar continue, verse 208. It's very similar to a persecutor in the court that allow to tell in front of the judge all the bad thing you did. And then he asks permission to punish them. And we study that that persecutor get a permission to lock the door on the court until he get what he want by judging that human being. Quite scary. The court cannot get the persecutor out. Because God was okay with that setting. Because the creator wanted the world, the universe, will be by the law, by the judgment. And to understand that there is judgment and there is a judge. The same like happening in the court. Similar to that, make the persecutor that he will come in front of God every Rosh Hashanah. And he will check every human being. Jewish, Christian, Hindu, Muslim, Africa, North America. It doesn't matter where you are. Australia, New Zealand. Every human being has been judged on that day. And then the persecutor allowed to cover the Zerampin, which is the entrance to the king. The the moon, which is Malchut, cover itself until the judgment will take a place. So we, we should raise the next doubts. If God know everything that needed to happen, why would he even go into that process? Because God is above time. You already know what you're going to choose, what I'm going to choose. 
if I'm going to make it, not going to make it. If we talk about the concept of the creator, which is above time, we talk about something which is basically every present, past, and future in one capsule. Like everything is known. Still, say the Zohar in verse 209, still God wants everything to happen through Din. Din means judgment. What is mean judgment? Judgment means no time. Mercy means yes time. So meaning that everything that we do negative has a cause and effect. Cause and effect for something you did 20 years ago you have to pay now. That means there is no time. Because all of a sudden 20 years ago and now become one. That's called judgment. Mercy is when we stretch it out. Whatever you did 20 years ago, don't worry, in 20 lifetime you're going to deal with it. So in 20 lifetime it becomes judgment again. So judgment is the cause and effect become one on the same spot. Mercy is when there is a space or time, more specifically, between the cause and effect. But God, Rosh Hashanah, what happened to Rosh Hashanah, is judgment time. 48 hours of presentation of all the negative thing on the table. God is sitting in the chair on the throne of judgment and the persecutor coming with a file. Everybody, every file represents the action we did, what we say, what we thought. Then he has to bring witnessing, witness, and those witnesses are coming and say whatever the person did, good or bad. Who are those witnesses? What do we call them? We call them Enei Hashem HaMeshotetot Bekol HaOlam. We call that those witness the eyes of God. They have a name, the eyes of God. What is the eyes of God? They are traveling everywhere, like eyes, we cannot see it, and they see us with everything we do. Those eyes have no limitation. They go from room to room, from place to place, from city to city, in your bedroom, everything. They know every action we did. Verse 211. Woe for those people who don't care. Woe for those people who don't even look into their action. Because those eyes looking at you. It's a little bit nervous, right? I mean, feeling that whatever we do, I know I'm not perfect. So at the time that I'm not perfect, those eyes looking at me. Kind of scary. Weird. So we call them the witness of the king. And they look and they, and they do whatever they do. And they say whatever they say. So they talk, they do, and they see us. And then they go up in front of the king. And the king is sitting on the throne next to the persecutor. And the persecutor say to the king, you see, told you they're no good. This person did this judgment. And... 
And then the witness, only if God asks the witness, is it true? Then they're allowed to answer. But if God doesn't answer the witness, is it true? They're not allowed to speak. It seemed to me like we got to make sure that God would not ask the witness about the bad thing we did. And then we're good. How do we do it? So, verse 212. Everything is written in the house of the king, in a chamber. And that chamber is made from white fire. White fire. And that fire is going in a circle. And spark of light coming everywhere. And it never stopped. In front of that chamber, there is another chamber with the black fire that never stopped. Two writers or two scribers are sitting next to the king. And in the moment of judgment, when the witness can talk, mean asked to talk, those writers, those scribers, taken from the black fire, No, they take it from the circle of the white fire and they take it from the black fire and they write it on the black on the white fire. So it's black over white. And then verse 213, the king, God, is delaying that judgment. Maybe by that time those people will change. If they change and then transform and they become better, then they take those notes, meaning the black fire over white fire, and they tear it apart. If not, the king still still sitting on the throne, on the, on the chair, and he brings different angels to speak good about that person. And they're standing there, and the announcer keeps talking, it did this well, it did this well. Please bring more angels to speak good about this person. If you find somebody who speaks good about this person, wonderful. Then that person getting out of judgment. If you cannot find any angels or anybody who can speak good about this person, then that person has to go back to the persecutor and he has to punish him. So that's what's happening in heaven on Rosh Hashanah. What happened in, on the table of Rosh Hashanah, we're going to go to the apple and everything, maybe next time, but this is when we eat and we have dinner, but the reason I'm doing it today when I'm starting this, those lectures is to give you an idea of what's happening in heaven on Rosh Hashanah. It's not a joke. It's very serious. Now, of course, another doubt we need to ask, why does God need all this process? Is to remove people's doubts and mind that everything is in a perfect order. And to understand that everything that we see below is an above. Everything and above is below. I Meaning the way that the court is running here, 
That's the way that the court is running in the upper world, but with more honesty, of course. <coughs> so it's very similar. Whatever you see here, you see there. Verse 215. The day of Rosh Hashanah is the day of judgment. And the king sitting on the throne of judgment. And a persecutor, as I said before, cover the entrance to the king to come. And he asked for judgment. And even God loved judgment. Judgment also means honesty and perfection. Even if God loved judgment and loved truth and loved honesty, love always wins. Mercy always wins. From God's point of view, mercy and love always win. And when the persecutor comes to talk about bad, about people that are spiritual, that are working on themselves, but they fell this year, that's when God say, blow the shofar. Blow that horn. Because that's a reminder for us, to remind us, not to God, that how much God loves us. The blowing of the shofar is not just for confusing the persecutor or doing something uh, uh, to prevent the judgment. Is more. To remind ourselves how much the Creator loves us. So all what the Creator asks for us to do, blow the shofar, and then even if I'm a God of judgment, and I meant to bring judgment to the world, because of your doing, but I love you. Can't help myself. I love you. It's almost like a father and mother who loving their son. Their son misbehaves. The son has to change. Not because it's good for the parents, because it's good for the son. It's good for the daughter. When we come in Rosh Hashanah, if one of the king, if one of the master, if one of God, we need to understand. It's not about changing myself because now God will be pleased that I'm better. That God will be pleased that he has a better human. That's, that cannot be it. It's just to be more than that. It's just to be the reason for that is because we are now receiving more wonderful things. So when you walk into Rosh Hashanah, it's a must. Must. To have an understanding that God truly loves you. And even the persecutor coming with all the negative things. All what God wants from you, from me, from us, is to have an understanding how much the Creator loves you. Now, of course, those negative behavior need to change. Whatever I did toward myself, toward people, that's got to change. It's got to change. Because if it's not changing, what are we doing here? Think about it. That shofar sound, those of you who never heard it, it's amazing. When the shofar, you blow the shofar, it's going up. Now, when you blow the shofar, it's a mix of fire, wind, and water. Water is the moist that comes from the mouth. The fire is the body of the blower, become like fire is cheek, become red from fire, and the hair, the blowing of air throat, toward the shofar, through the shofar, and there. So there is three things. Fire, wind, or fire and air and water, which represent the three sefirot, chesed, gvura, tiferet. 
ונעשה מהם כל אחד, and that become one sound. And awakening the sound of above, that it is center column. All what we're doing in Rosh Hashanah, we are awakening the balance in the world, which is called center column, which brings together the left column and the right column. Left column being fire, right column being water. You cannot put those two forces together. כשכל ההוא מתעורר מלמעלה ולמטה, אז כל התולדות שלכם וקריאות מתבלבלים. What happened? When we blow the shofar and we wake up the center column, then the persecutor regard toward us the judgment is being all confused. Now we need to understand that it's not superficial, just get confused. מפני שגרד השמאל מתמעטים, שהוא מקור הדינים, It's a little deep what I'm going to say here. The guard, the Keter Chochma Bina of left column. Basically, Mitma'atim uh, becomes smaller, which is the cause of judgment, or the, the core of all judgment comes from there. And the unity between right column and left column is being revealed now. This, I have to do a whole lecture just on that. But just the basic of it, left column is very powerful. Right column is not as powerful as left column. Left column is all the light, but without capacity to capture it. Right column, right column is the light according to the amount of what we can handle. And that's why it's more mercy. It doesn't give you... Everything is just give you whatever you're capable of dealing with. When we remove the Keter Chokhmah Bina, which is the core energy of the left column, because it's the light coming from above to below, meaning the source of everything is from above to below. When we cut the head off, then we have a chance for the Chesed and Gvura to become one. That's actually what happened to Rosh Hashanah. And he continued in verse 217. It said that in this day of Rosh Hashanah, Isaac come by himself. We know this is also the death anniversary of Isaac on Rosh Hashanah. But what does that mean? Dainu shekaf small sholet. Left column is controlling Rosh Hashanah. No right column. No center column. And he's calling Esau. Isaac and Esau, remember? Isaac and Esau, the story. He calling Esau, who Esau represents in the story. The dark side, the persecutor. And he's making him food. He's making him food. Why? Because at that time, the eyes of Isaac... He become basically become blind because the persecutor is there. So the Zohar in verse 217 in Parashat Emor is helping us to understand that whatever story happened in the Bible is corresponding that something that happened later. Meaning the whole story of Isaac becoming blind And Esau uh, basically try to fool 
his father, because if you remember the story said that Isaac sent Esau, you know, to go make him food, and then Yaakov stole the opportunity and he did the food. There is a code there, it's coded. So why was he blind? He was blind because he was talking to Esau, he's talking to the persecutor. But don't forget, Isaac represents left column. And, and he lying on the bed of judgment, as it say the story, and he called his son Esau, which is the dark side, the persecutor, and he said to him, go hunt me some animals so I can eat and bring it to me. What does that mean? So in that story, the code is that Isaac sending Esau, which is a persecutor, and said, go capture different judgment, different things that people do, and bring it to me as a food. Again, don't judge Isaac. It's, it's just symbol that the Zohar is helping us to understand the Torah in a better way so we can truly understand what happened in the story. So Isaac sending Esau. Esau represents the dark side who collecting all the negative thing to bring it into uh, uh, the, to the court and make food for it. Meaning food doesn't mean food. Food means uh, so we have some files on people. Rivka, the wife of Isaac, which is Malchut, go to her son, the one that she loved, and she tell him, wake up and go cook for your father. And, and Jacob wake up and cook for his father. What is he doing? He pray. He ask, how do we know that? Because when Isaac was about to bless Jacob, what does he say? The voice sounds like Jacob, but the hand feels like Esau. What does that mean? The sound is the sound of Jacob. It means the sound of the shofar that he elevated. And then when Yaakov elevated, which is center column, to Isaac, and he gets closer to him, then Isaac can unite with Avram, because Isaac cannot be united with Avram. Avram is a right column, it's the water. Isaac is the left column, it's the fire. You cannot put them together. That's why if you remember the first time Avram and Isaac are yachdav together, when is it? In the binding, very good. When he binds Isaac. So this is a code. This is nothing to do with some story about three major, amazing, righteous people in the Bible. We talk about presentation of the three-column system that we supposed to accomplish on Rosh Hashanah. מתעורר יעקב העליון שהוא קו אמצעי אליו ליצחק ונקרב לו. דהיינו שמייחד אותו עם אברהם שהוא ימין. ויגש לו אור ויוכל. He bring him food. To include with him. And then, וכיוון שיכנע לבו קו אמצעי, ויבא לו יין, אחת החוכמה, המאירה ממטה למעלה, מתוקנת על ידי קו אמצעי. And now he revealed to him something that called התערורות מלמטה. We know that Kaf small, left column, which is very powerful, is light that coming from above to below, meaning blessing coming from above to below, with no limitation. And that's what we call judgment. There is another awakening, it's coming from below to above, not from above to below, which is Orda Kasadim, light of mercy. So the mercy is happening when we do act of goodness and wonderful thing toward others, and 
Judgment has been revealed when we ask him things for ourselves. Isaac was representing the left column. When Jacob came there, by giving the, that food again, I don't want you to relate to the name just because Jacob is the son, Isaac is the father. It might confuse you emotionally. It doesn't sound great. But we got to relate to the kavim, to the columns here. So they give him the wine, which is perfect wine of elevating from below to above. And then it says, he smell his clothing. What is that mean? clothing? Clothing means, say, the Zohar, the tefillot v'bakashot. The pray and the meditation and the requirement that elevated to the upper world. And then he bless him. He bless him because at that moment judgment is no longer exist and there is only happiness and it's all mercy. I'm continuing, 219. And because now everything is with Yaakov, it's center column, all the judgment has to go away. And they're not, cannot be found. And it's all become perfect. And then Israel is coming out of the judgment with happiness and with blessing. Like Jacob, get out of Isaac with happiness and with the blessing. And as he left Isaac, then Esau come, if you remember the story, Esau come and say, hey, what about me? Matamim. Matamim is can be like the word ta'anot. Lit'on ta'anot. What is lit'on ta'anot? You know, complain. He come with complain and witnessing. And he said to his father, you are left column. Esau said, wake up and, and eat with all the negative things that people did. 220 in the Zohar. But was fear and panic, was afraid. He said, listen, I am left column, and as a left column person, I'm more connected to Esau. I'm more connected to the judgment. But now after Yaakov met me, and he combined me with the three-column system, I'm no longer can do a lot now about judgment. Because I'm a part of a machine that's called right, left, and center. And Yaakov is only happiness. And then he said, if you read the Bible, who is this one who bring me again pray and requirement and meditation? And I will bless him and I will also give him a blessing. And at that moment, Esau screamed. Because he realized whatever he captured has no meaning. And that's why Esau was chasing Jacob to kill him. Because he knew when Jacob, Isaac, and Abraham are united, the dark side has no room. And Jacob is going between those days, between Rosh Hashanah till Yom Kippur. And he's running away from Esau every year. And Jacob working himself with praying, with fasting, with meditation. And Esau is keep looking for him with persecutor. And Jacob is just crying and yelling and praying and meditating and blow the shofar and begging his father Isaac to help him.
And then when he meet the persecutor, he give him, like it's saying, the story of the goat, and a specific thing because, again, it's a code, what it means. And like this, the persecutor is kind of becoming useful for Jacob even. Verse 223, then Esau become the protector of Jacob. But Jacob didn't want not from his honey and not from his sting. Because we say in Hebrew, lo midufshech velo meokseh. When, we meet, when you meet a bee, the bee can give you honey, but the bee can sting you. So you say, I don't want your honey, I don't want your sting. And that's what Jacob said, why don't you go in front of me and go on your path and leave me alone? When is this happening? It says it's happening in the uh, last prayer in Yom Kippur called Tfilat Neila, the prayer of the Neila. At that time, Esau is leaving Jacob. And that moment, no longer judgment can be above people. So you have before Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah, the 10 days of Yom Kippur, and then you're forgiving. Right after this, what is it written in the Bible? All coded. Yaakov left and he built a place in Sukkata. Sukkata like Sukkot. And that's why he called the place Sukkot. And that's why we're doing Sukkot right after the celebration of Yom Kippur and the prayer of the Nila to show that we've been saved from the persecutor and God is happy with his children. Good for us in this world and in the upper world. We'll continue next time. Thank you.